Welcome to the Wing Chun Podcast, the Sifu's Stories, the place where the world's most renowned Sifus share their stories and insights. I am your host, Bogdan Rosho. We're here with Jim Roslando from uh, Gulo Boxing Association and columnist for Wing Chun Illustrated. Jim is also a Wing Chun historian and uh, I'm really looking forward to um, having his insight on Wing Chun and especially on King Sun Wing Chun. Jim, uh, w- would you like to introduce yourself uh, for the people who are listening and just give us a bit of insight on how you discovered Wing Chun and what it actually means to you today? Okay, yeah. Uh, well, I'm uh, Jim Roslando. I uh, live and teach in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I've been involved with Wing Chun over 25 years, almost close to 30 right now. And uh, it's quite a passion for me. You know, uh, I started Wing Chun maybe around 1989. And uh, I bounced around a little bit and then eventually found my way back to one of the earlier systems that I had started training. Which was the uh, version, a version of the Pinsan Wing Chun. And, uh, eventually I realized what the art was. And, uh, um, I hired a private detective with a friend and we located my teacher. And, uh, that was, uh, April 2001. I performed a ceremony with him and it was all fun since then. Uh, Wing Chun today, it's, uh, uh, I'm definitely as passionate today as I was when I was a kid, and uh, is, I, I love all. That's yeah. like one of one of the craziest stories that I've ever heard. Um, I don't know of anyone who actually hired a private detective to to find their martial arts teacher. How how did that happen? Well, you know, it was uh, there was a few of his students. He had a public school for a few years back in the late seventies. And, uh, a few of his public students had taught some, uh, some, some of his kung fu. And, uh, but it just, there wasn't a lot of information. And so what happened was, is, uh, I was doing something else. And eventually I, you know, the internet and different info came out. And I had realized, I said, well, I, I have a feeling this stuff that we're doing might be Lung Jan's Google Wing Chun. And, uh, I said, Jesus, we gotta, I have to locate the guy who taught these people. And so it, it was a difficult task. He wasn't, he wasn't around. And, uh, but we, on two fronts, one was the private detective found him the same time a friend of mine from the Yip Ching lineage, his dad knew of him and kind of arranged a meeting with him and, uh, it all worked out kind of at the same time or was working out at the same time. That is so cool. So, uh, what's what's the difference basically between uh, Gulo Wing Chun and Pinsan Wing Chun? Uh, early on, uh, Pinsan Wing Chun is the proper name, the classical name. And if you talk to the old lot of the old timers, they'll always use the term Pinsan Wing Chun because that's the art that Long Jan developed for Wang Wasam. Gulo Wing Chun is kind of like the the modern umbrella everything falls under. You know, you can even find a few variations of Gulo Wing Chun. And so today, um, really, uh, th- there's a number of Gudo Wing Chun arts, but the classical Pinsan Wing Chun from Dr. Lung Jin is, uh, it's kind of rare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why did you actually, um, 
Why did you actually have this passion for Ping San? Why did why was it something that you knew that you wanted to uh, study? Well, yeah, I had been bouncing around the Wing Chun arts for you know over a decade. I studied a little bit of other kung fu like Southern Mantis and things like that, but uh, mostly I was a Wing Chun person. And um, once I realized what it was. And I had my first meeting with him. We sat down, we talked, and I kind of questioned my teacher about certain things. I realized he had knowledge of this art far more than what I had previously been shown or heard about. And it was like meeting somebody that, uh, it was like me, it, I met at a master at that point of like a specific art. Mm-hmm. And Boston, even though, uh, uh, Moisipu was one of the people here, there's also members of the Fung family, and so it has like outside of Gulo, China, we probably have the largest hub of uh, Pinsan Wing Chun. Nice, nice. Uh, so you said you mentioned um, at a point that once you found out what it was, and that actually leads to my to my next question: What is Wing Chun for you? Uh, Wing Chun. Uh, well, Wing Chun is. Uh, and that's a complicated question, you know, it's really, it takes on a lot of things because uh, for me, Wing Chun is an amazing Southern Chinese art that was built on two giants. It was born from two giants of technology uh, and uh, eventually found its way down towards the, through the Lung family and to the Red Boat and out into the modern community. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's a, uh, it's a brilliant soft style unique to the Southern arts. And uh, uh, definitely a life worth of uh, study. When you think that it's a combination between two giants, what are those two giants? Uh, well, the, all the legends state that, you know, uh, uh, or a theory of uh, Wing Chun coming from Snake and Crane. And um, there's a, a old set, an old form, that the Wing Chun form, that was a one long form, Silum Tao. And there's certain poetry that goes along with that form. And if you analyze this poetry, it shows that performance of food, which can be the crane. And there's also, if you look at part one, 45% of the poetry from part one is from the Erme system, with the signature happens to be the snake arms. You know, so it's quite, po- it's quite possible that these two are our parents. And we are like, uh, you know, the children of these two giants. So let me let me get this straight. You don't believe that the fact that Wing Chun was invented by uh, by the Shaolin nun? I know we we had a chat about that previous to uh, to this interview. But what is your what is your take on this uh, story, legend, or you know, about Wing Chun being created by Mui and uh, then passed on generation from generation? Um, I don't personally believe in the, you know, the new Moy and the five elders and things like this. Uh, uh, but if you, you can actually trace back, uh, accurately or semi-accurately to the families to a certain era. And then before that time period, you know, it's, it's up and it's, up, it's up in the year. So you can only use maybe what we know from these arts technically and what we maybe have for poetry. And then analyze these things to try to come up with a, a more likely, you know. But uh, every year you kind of find out something new, and you know, and it's cool. I can see, I can feel the passion when you're talking about Wing Chun's history. 
How did you actually decide to become a, uh, a Wing Chun historian? It, it was, it's not, it's not even like a, uh, something that I wanted to just go after. Oh, I'm going to go study history. It's just either you love Wing Chun, you love all of it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I want to know about the different families. I want to know how the arts evolved. You know, you, you, you respect these things because it is a big family. And if you look at all these different arts, and although there's always some disputes, you know, who's older, who's this and that, the core is always, you know, the same, you know, and you can, you can see that Wing Chun, you know, although it evolved and maybe some choreography is different, you know, you know Wing Chun when you see it. And, yeah. uh, you know, you can, uh, uh, it, it's important though. It's important to like understand how the art evolved. Uh, awesome. Um, what do you feel? I know that you also did a bit of, uh, Yip Man Wing Chun as well. Actually, let's go into this a bit deeper because, um, I'm sure some people are probably wondering, what is this Pinsan Wing Chun? You know, what, where does it come from? What does it mean? And so on and so forth. Can you give us more? details um about the pinsan system yeah sure uh around the 1890s uh probably the middle 1890s uh dr lung jan he left posan and he returned to his homeland uh gulo village he was born in gulo and uh went back at later in life but sometimes it's a common tradition and uh he had family there so there's stories actually of him going there even throughout yeah. And for the people who, who don't know, actually, Dr. Lung Jang was, um, Yip Man Sigong. That means his, uh, his, his teacher's teacher. Right. Correct. Um, so, you know, when he went back there later in life, he li one person that lived next door to him was his sister and his sister's son. His sister's son was Wang Wa Sam. And Wang Wa Sam was about 4'11, maybe 90 pounds, a little guy. And so, uh, Dr. Long, you know, developed this art for him and it became a, a family style that was passed down. So from Wang Wasam to the Fung family and the Fung family were nephews of Wang Wasam and eight students Wang Wasam taught his whole life. And those that eight ended up passing it down to maybe the current generation or a few of those. The Pinsun Wing Chun, if you were to look at it, it's really the core of Lung Jin's, uh, life's knowledge in some ways, because it's kind of like the essence of the Siulun Tao Chung Kyu Bilji, but trained through 12 little handsets, each set maybe having three moves. Mm -hmm. So to look at it, if someone was to demo it, you'd be seeing like core elements from the first form, second form, and third form. Mm -hmm. And if you actually, uh, the first four hands are the basics, then hands number five through nine come from Chumkyu, and 10, 11, and 12 come from his Bilji. The only difference being is that he incorporated the, the direct and rotational force. So in other words, we didn't say square, but we rotate always. The body was always rotating. So Pinsan means side body, but we emphasize uh, direct and rotational force. I noticed that you're rotating basically on the... the um not the toes, the balls of um, of your feet. While um, in um, Yipman uh, Wong Chunlong, we tend to um, we tend to rotate on the, the heels, right? Why is that? What is the advantage of um, of doing right there? I know you did a bit of Yipman Wing Chun as well, and maybe you can tell us what's the difference between uh, Yipman Wing Chun and um, Pinsan Wing Chun. 
Um, the well, there, there's a lot of you know, obviously there's a lot of factions in the Yitman Wing Chun, but so maybe the way I was shown it a little bit different, maybe even than Wong Chun Long. But for the most part, when uh, I I think you know it depends. Obviously, if, if someone's lazy, neither one of them are going to work. You know, good or what some put into them. But if you look at the difference between the body and the Pinsun rotation and maybe the Yitman rotation. In the Yipman art, they tend to uh, pull the hip a little bit inward, and then when you rotate, you rotate the body as a core unit. Yeah. Okay. Whereas in Pinsun, we rotate from uh, the loose waist, but as the waist is turning, the body's kind of following and the feet are following, so it ends up each joint rotates rather than rotating as like a single unit. It's mm -hmm. it's different sort of like mechanics to that. The, the, when you're on a little bit more on the front of the foot rather than the, on the heel of the foot, it just tends to sometimes help with like a spring. So if someone pushes on you, you can absorb your weight into the foot mm -hmm. and into maybe the, whereas sometimes if you, I always, I felt if I was on my heel and when pressure was coming on me, sometimes it would immediately hit the body and knock it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's kind of like a spring, a loose springy body. And like a foot spring where, uh, versus maybe uh, a little bit more of a, uh, 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 a connected body and a, and a lock body, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I was actually talking about that with my students the other week. And uh, we were discussing how when you're, when you're using the balls of your feet, you're, you're using more springy action and you're, you're faster when you're moving, right? When, uh, when you create basically faster footwork. On the other hand, when you when you use your heels and you connect your heels to the ground, you just deliver more power because it's a lot more connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, that's cool. So, um, what is um, what is your favorite Wing Chun related story, and uh, could you share it with us? Um, well, you know, I, I I have a lot of like fun memories over the years, you know. So, uh, whatever you would not putting any of them down or, you know, any of them up, but some, some of the, one of the more interesting things I had fun with was that after we had found Moisibu, we, we sat down in a Dunkin' Donuts with him and I just started questioning him, you know, what's the Chinese name for this or what's the name for this or why do you do this? And he had the answers. And after that, we were, we were sitting there and he's like, okay, take me to your house or show me where we're going to train. And I could, I really couldn't believe that this was all happening. Yeah. And so it was one of like, you know, the most, uh, uh, memorable points in my life. And then the next time he had come over my house, he, uh, he brought these oranges and we did like a ceremony and, you know, and the ceremony actually it wasn't nothing, uh, uh, weird or anything, but it was more about what he said was, uh, the ceremony is about respect between the teacher and student, you know, and, uh, he goes, yeah. I want, I want respect for what I'm showing you. And, uh, you know, granted, uh, what he showed me, I couldn't have learned anywhere else. You know, so I really, I do, I feel kind of blessed to have, like, met him and uh, gotten what I've gotten from him. Uh, I do enjoy, uh, I did, uh, when we went to China in 2010, we were roaming the uh, old pathways of Gulo, and we ended up at Feng Chun's house, and, yeah, wasn't there yet. So we're kind of sitting in his kitchen on these little tiny chairs. And then in comes Feng Chan and, you know, and 
he fires up a cigarette and having a beer and you know what I mean. So it was, that's another one of my, uh, another memory that I'll never forget. What was the feeling when, when you met him? I'm in front of a legend. You know, this is the guy, one of my grand teacher's teachers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I can't believe that, you know, from just meeting up with this family and being part of it. And here I am in China, uh, with this legendary master and, you know, and he's just eager to talk Wing Chun and, you know, he would come out and after like about five or 10 minutes and he realized that we also did Wing Chun. He's like, okay, go outside and demo for me. You know, I want what you're doing. So, you know, uh, he was a great man. He was a great man. That is so awesome. Cool. So what do you feel was the biggest contribution in your life from Wing Chun? Um, I really, I, I, although this has been a, you know, like a little bit a passion and a hobby, uh, the thing I enjoy the most of this is, is every time I, I exercise or train Wing Chun, I feel healthy and I feel nice. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy uh, meeting and sharing with people and seeing people get enjoyment yeah. out of the benefit of Dr. Lung's art. You know, there's nothing more than that. You know, does it keep you healthy and happy? That's all that matters, you know, and I, I just enjoy sharing. Absolutely. I was talking with uh, Nima King from uh, Mindful Wing Chun in a previous uh, episode, and uh, I was I, I really enjoyed the fact that people are using Wing Chun not just for fighting, but also for helping other people grow and um, um, discover their their potential and, and uh, improve their lives. And yeah, you know, it's a huge contribution because I personally, when I started Wing Chun, I was just interested in the fighting aspect. I just wanted yeah. to kick some ass, but you know. But that's all of us when we're younger, you know, and then it's like, okay, I don't really get in that many fights. I just love this stuff. So, you know, it's, it ends up, you know, uh, passion for the refinement yeah. and the health. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You know, I personally feel incredibly blessed to be able to give this art forward and uh, help my students as well. Cool. And... um. By the way, how do you think we can contribute more to to the Wing Chun community and help us um, work together a lot more? I, I really feel that uh, what we've done in the last few years is a lot of people have become more open and are meeting up and are exchanging information. Yeah. You know, the late 80s and the 90s and even before then, it, there was everything was a little more tribal. Everybody had problems with everybody. Nowadays, like, you know, over here we do these, uh, like, Wing Chun workshops where we get three different lineages. We get in, everybody teaches a couple hours, meet new people, and it's great. When you have stuff like Wing Chun Illustrated, people out sharing different arts, different information, different lineages. So I think Wing Chun, in many ways, it's in a better place today than it is. uh, Yeah, I I feel so too. You can see it in the forums online. And um, I was thinking about it, that Wing Chun Illustrated actually had a huge contribution in this sense. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, because uh, it, it brings people together. You know, it's no matter what, it, you know, although this lineage of Wing Chun, that lineage of Wing mm-hmm. Chun, mm-hmm. it's all Wing Chun. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I in this in a different one. I said, you know, Long Jan said to his students, you know, uh, 
Although the hands, you know, when we're talking about the different schools from Poshan or Bulo, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we have one form, they have three, the hands differ very little, we're from the same family. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's really, you know, it is. My, my Tanzo is better than your Tanzo. Uh, yeah, those days are kind of, you know, <laughs> past. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So what do you feel we can do from this point on to further this work that maybe you started and you contributed as well being a columnist in the Internet Initiative? What we what can we do as individuals to contribute to the community? I think it's uh, every school or every uh, you know art and family they have information that's important for Wing Chun and they have like methods of training that's important for Wing Chun and I think the more that people you know get together and share the 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 better it's going to be for Wing Chun mm -hmm. you know like on Wing Chun. I, I love to, you know, have people from other lineages come in. I love to, like, especially, particularly the core of the Wing Chun Pinsun, the physical conditioning and the basics. Yeah. I think, yeah, I believe if, if somebody knows that they gain insight into, you know, uh, an aspect that maybe certain arts might not focus on, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, it's just like we had one uh, event in Boston where we did just different chi sao. So, I taught for two hours, Pinsan Chi Sao. Another guy taught uh, Dr. Lung Ting's Chi Sao. And another guy taught Hawkins Chung's Chi Sao. Mm -hmm. And so everybody got to see the different, you know, methods and, and learn something with it, you know, bring something home. It's amazing once you open yourself uh, to what other people are doing and you allow yourself to actually learn from their experience and not just say, not just focus on the differences, but ask yourself, you know, what is this person doing differently and um, how how could I improve what I'm doing? Uh, it's it's uh, totally different on the level that you're you're understanding and, and on the level that you're um, you're you're learning, right, and you're evolving. Um how did how did being a columnist in Wing Chun Illustrated um, change your Wing Chun? Well, you know, it makes me appreciate the other families even more. You know, because uh, if you see, you know, you, I'm not the only one writing articles and looking into these sort of things. And a lot of people put a lot of hard work into it. So, yeah. you know, have to appreciate what people are doing. And it's also helped me in many ways because uh, it, 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 I have a lot of friends from different arts and they've always they share a lot and I get to learn a lot. Mm -hmm. And for every time somebody shares some information or. Uh, a friend of mine puts, you know, writes an article for my column. Uh, I get to learn more about another art of Wing Chun or, you know, another story that I might not have heard. And, you know, eventually these little things add up and, you know, they stick with you. <laughs> awesome. How do you make your training fun and what keeps you going? Uh, the results keep it going. You know, I'm pretty much a modern traditionalist. You know, uh, I enjoy the Ping Sun because of the core training. Mm -hmm. uh, it hits the body really in a rapid way. And so, in other words, what I can do maybe in 30 minutes of core training through the pin sun, mm -hmm. the result I take, maybe somebody needs to train for a few hours of something else, you know. It's, and uh, so I, it keeps me interesting because it keeps me really healthy and it keeps me uh, also from not having to be, oh, God, I got to go train like three hours right now just to get a little bit of results and things like that. I like results 
And in the modern day, you know, sometimes having a, a simple platform makes it easy. What do you mean about results? Are you referring to um, physical results, fitness results? Yeah, physical results and applicable results and application and things like that. The the way the pinsan, um, for example, before you start the 12 hands and you learn the 12 hands of lung jam, there's actually a couple of little sets that are taught for not basics, but also to condition the body. Mm-hmm. So they target the wrist, forearm, elbow joint, bicep in this area okay. with your with your Wing Chun. So uh, if, if someone hadn't done any of that and I show them these couple of moves or I practice these couple of moves, after just a three-minute round of this repetition, you really feel loose but like pumped and your joints open up. And, you know, when you're done, you feel like you've done a specific kind of conditioning that's just very healthy. It feels very good. And uh, uh, because the training is core, it keeps refining your your dynamics and your tools so that when you go to use it, you're, you're more aware of your body and you have a different uh, – your body's been conditioned differently, and when you combine a specifically conditioned body with specific dynamics, it produces like a certain result. And what's the result? It's called chuck ding or shock power, like that uh, sudden power. Uh, Wing Chun's famous for short power, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. chuck ding is a signature of Wing Chun of uh, Pinsan Wing Chun. What is your uh, what your favorite memory showing this short power? Uh, showing the short power. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, it, it it's kind of. Uh, I don't want to. There's been a couple of. There's a couple of things that you really start to enjoy, because of the training and the, the physical awareness, and it, it, it's really, again, the results are pretty wild. So, you start to be able to control people's balance a little bit better, mm-hmm. and you start to get this loose power that uh is it's dynamic in response and it kind of it's shocking in its output so a lot of times when you use a little bit of force mm-hmm. uh people tend to like you know they, they they're surprised you know and I, and sometimes when i see the surprised look those are me- those are memorable moments you know <laughs> of results for me you know it's like oh i can't believe it <laughs> <laughs> we do have a bonus question from Alex, how did each and every Sifu contribute to the Wing Chun art as we know it today? And I think he's probably referring to when did the Bajam Do forms get introduced? When did the Long Ho get introduced? How did how did it basically evolve? Okay, yeah, sure. You know, all the conventional theory or the more likely is that a lot of the legends all state Wing Chun was one long form before it came three. And so if you, I believe, if, I, if I'm tracking my, like, numbers correctly, that perhaps, maybe, perhaps in the 1770s, mm-hmm. somebody may develop this one long form. And then by the 1830s to maybe uh, 1840, this is when it turned into to the three forms. But you can see that there was still two sects of these on the red boat. There's elements of people doing one long form on the red boat, and then you have guys like Wang Bo's lineage that are doing the three forms on the uh, red boat. And during the red boat era, the exchange of information happened, and you know stuff like the uh, the dummy and the pole, 
was integrated into Wing Chun. So this would have been around the 1840. And then later on, maybe, or in that certain time era, the knives would have came maybe at the next stage uh, and potentially borrowed from uh, a triad sect of the Sudo Hoyo, the Small Knife Society. And these guys were all around that area. And mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the Red Boat Hall or the uh, Fine Jade Hall was supposedly a, uh, a Hongmun Hall where these rebels were, you know, obviously meeting up and exchanging info, training together and things like that. Uh, so if you look at it, you'll see it goes one long form to three forms, and then in comes the pole and uh, dummy, and then in comes the knives. Mm-hmm. Some lineages don't have the knives, though, and some some do. And how they got there and who how they were integrated, uh, you know, that's a that's a, a, a lengthy discussion, you know. Yeah. But a lot a lot of it in Foshan happened, you know, because uh, different guys were working out with different people and sharing information. And so, like for example, Long Jan didn't didn't teach knives, you know what I mean, according to our belief, you know, but uh, if you look at uh, different lineages that are uh, from Longjan today, mm-hmm. that knives in there. So uh, some people think that, oh, did Longjan teach knives or didn't he? Did, did he not teach it in Guru? You know, what was the more likely? And it's probably around the era when Longjan learned it was fist, dummy, and pole. And, uh, you know, the knives maybe came in because of that later interaction in Poshan between the guys. Awesome. Jim, what do you feel is like the benefit of looking backwards? I mean, for example, I'm incredibly ignorant about uh, Wing Chun's history, right? What do you feel is the benefit of uh, looking back to our history and the traditions as well to our evolution? How does that contribute to uh, Wing Chun 100 years from now or 200 years from now? Yeah, I think it's very important because it gives you a look well, if you start to try to maybe study how an art was born, then you could look into the parents and see what's the DNA of these kind of parents or what, what were these arts known for, you know? And, and then you can start to understand maybe why, you know, all, of course, a lot of arts say they were the art of the time. Right. But you can understand how this paradigm shift happened in the Southern Fist that Wing Chun became this like natural state Southern Fist. And, uh, you know, it, it gives you insight, potential insight into the body and the body mechanics and the conditioning and things like that. And, you know, how it evolved and what's what are we doing today compared to maybe what they were doing a little earlier on mm-hmm. and see if it can be of any benefit to us for help and application. Yeah. Awesome. How do you feel it's uh, it's evolving? Because obviously Wing Chun is not static. We're not doing Wing Chun as um, it was done. 200 years ago, it's. I think everyone adds something to it when they teach it. How do you feel it's evolving today? Are people, I don't know, including uh, elements from Western boxing, from uh, MMA, from uh, grappling and stuff like that? And do you think it's beneficial to the art? Um, you know, for me, it's like what somebody cross trains with and makes them happy. Mm-hmm. That's that's all that matters for them. Yeah. You know. Um, uh, and also, God forbid, somebody gets jumped in the street, and if it, they can defend themselves with, you know, maybe a round kick and a chain punch, whatever works, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, for the evolution, it just seems maybe that uh, 
soft arts tend to have certain qualities of the body. And I believe that today, maybe the Wing Chun, the way we train it and things might even be maybe a little bit more like intense or realistic or more practical. Like if you look at the, um, a lot of the old families and things like that, you know, they, they would work out with a couple of people and, you know, but today you can go to a school five days a week, train for a couple hours and, you know, get, get, get good. So yeah. the work of today, I think, tends to be better than like the kids in, in the village even today and things like that. But in some ways, I think maybe we need to analyze the body a little bit and see and see how, uh, how it would affect the output. What do you mean by that? Analyze the body to see how it would affect the output. Well, in other words, you know, if uh, um, soft arts, let's say like if you if you talk about the so-called soft internal arts, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? They all tend to use a little bit of uh, a different mechanic to the body, you know, and they condition maybe the body a little bit differently. Right. So rather rather than maybe using uh, like a compression, they'll use maybe an elongated sort of like uh, method. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. what's the difference in the result when the fist shoots out? from the body that's elongated and stretched or, you know, that's been opened up versus yeah. the body maybe has been closed off. What's the difference in health results from the body that's been elongated and opened up versus the body that maybe has been closed off? So I think if you look at it like that and you see how it affects the, the dynamics and the output, but yeah. it also affects the health a little bit too. Yeah. And I think we're going to leave the audience with that question. What's the difference between uh, the punch that comes from the elongated body compared to the um, more stiff, right, um, hardened body? And, uh, yeah, thank you. I, I had a very, very nice time chatting with you. Yeah, this was great. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk. Jim, where can people find you? Yeah, if you go to... Uh, uh, GudoBoxingAssociation.com, or if you look up MIT Qigong in Boston, uh, any of those things, they can find links to what I'm doing. But yeah, GudoBoxingAssociation.com, or just send me a friend request on Facebook. Awesome. Jim and you also have a, a really cool YouTube channel, don't you? Yeah, it's uh, Roselando. If you just look up, if you punch in Pin Sun Wing Chun, mm -hmm. usually uh, you'll find a bunch of videos on YouTube and you can link to my video. I challenge the people listening to find the video of uh, Jim's students doing some badass sparring with uh, with some Kung Fu guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's called the PBA sampler. Why, <laughs> why did you give it away? <laughs> Awesome. Guys, be sure to check out Jim and um, his uh, his team in Boston. And definitely go ahead and um, check out addictedtowingchun.com for some awesome free stuff and some cool uh, articles where you can understand better understand how you can improve your Wing Chun a bit faster and also gain a deeper knowledge into the art, especially if you're just starting out with, uh, with Wing Chun. Thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time.